Welcome to our podcast here at Encounter Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We pray that as you listen to this message, you will not only be challenged, but changed. Our desire is to be a place where life starts, love happens, and purpose is revealed. If you're in our area, join us on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. and every first Wednesday at 6.45 p.m. For more information about our church, you can visit us at EncounterChurch.today or follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Periscope. Just search eChurchBR. We invite you now to open your hearts to receive what God has for you. Here's today's message. Put your hand on your heart. We're going to pray for you right now. We're going into the Word. I'm so excited about this message today. I'm telling you. Uh, if you have not got a journal, if you have not got a notebook, then you need to get one because some of the things we're going to discuss today are going to be life-changing. Who enjoyed the apologetics last week, how we can defend the Bible? Anyone use that this week and talk to people about that? I'm going to be sharing that tonight at the prison. I'm pumped about that to the guys there. And the, By the way, just quickly, I know your hand's on your heart. So excited. The prison, they opened their chapel last Sunday. And that's been a long time in the making. And the guys are so excited because guess who gets to preach the first message behind the pulpit tonight? Yours truly. So there you go. How exciting is that? And if you want to help us with the prison, I go out every month or someone from our team goes the fourth Sunday of every month to the barracks. Um, state barracks, and what a great man, I'm telling you, it's, it's awesome, Judah, Judah and Luke are coming with me tonight, and we're going to hang out, the boys, we're going to go as the boys tonight, Judah's all excited to go, okay, hand on your heart, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you today, that you're so good to us, God, we ask that God, you would just touch us and change us, in the most incredible way that we know that you can, because that's what you are, you're in the life-changing business, and we thank you for that today, God, we open up our hearts to receive your word today, and we pray it would not return void, but it would accomplish everything it's sent to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, high five two people around you and say, man, I'm putting a team in that competition. Come on, I'm going to beat pastor. I'm going to knock him. Come on, there you go. Psalms 119 verse 11 says, your word, the Bible, the psalmist said, I have hidden in my heart. I like to think of it this way. I have strategically placed it. It's not hidden, so I forget it. It's strategic. Can you turn me down a little bit, Fred? That would be great. It's strategically placed right there. For what reason? That I might not sin against you. One translation says, your word I have stored up in my heart that I would not sin against you. So what's the importance of having God's word in your life? Because your future success determined or is determined upon it. Because we see it right there. It's the difference between living in sin and disobedience and separation from God or living a life of obedience to God by following His Word. Because the psalmist said, it's your Word that determines whether there's sin in my life or not. So we've got to have God's Word in our heart. Not just read it. We've got to hold it into our hearts. And today I want to talk about that, and there's going to be lots of information, and you can follow on. Everything is online on the YouVersion app that you can see. But I want to talk today about how can you hide God's Word? How can you strategically place it? How can you hold on to it and not let go of it? Because we're leaving this series, but we don't want to lose it. Just because we're leaving this series, we want to hold on to what we've learned and we want to grasp it. Look at John 8, 31 and 32. 
to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth. Listen, the truth there is not in your head, it's in your heart. That's the word right there. It's not just knowing it up here. It's, it's having the intimacy of it right here. It's got to begin here, but we want it to get into your heart. Because when it gets into your heart, it's the truth that will set you free. So we want to discover today how to live in freedom through God's word. We want you to love it. We want you to learn it. We want you to live it. In fact, we love that so much, I've made a t-shirt of that, and you'll be able to order one in the next few weeks, because we want you to love it, learn it, and to lead it. So I want to give you four truths today. Say with me, four truths. Come on, you're kind of asleep today. I want to wake you up. Say with me, four truths. Four truths that will help you to hold on to God's Word, to hide it in your heart, that it will help you. To be obedient to God. Number one, you need to make God's word the foundation of your life. It needs to be, God's word needs to be the foundation of your life. In other words, everything in your life must be built upon it. A foundation is vital. If, If there's going to be something built that's going to be successful, there has to be a strong foundation. As an old Norfolk term, people may know this, if it's on the huh, on the huh means if it's sloping a little bit. Come on, if something's on the huh, then what happens as you go higher and higher, it's going to eventually fall over. So the foundation is so important for not only the success, but the sustainability and the growth of anything that's built. So the quality of the foundation is really important for your marriage, for your finances, for your friendship, for your parenting. What are they built on? I mean, what are you building your marriage on? What, what are you building your relationships, your parenting on? What, what are you taking advice from in order to live those relationships around you? So what do we know about a foundation? A foundation is not seen, but it's necessity. You don't see, you don't come to a building and go, man, I love that foundation, but you admire the building. And so we got to realize that we don't see something, but it doesn't mean it's not important because it's a necessity for our life. And God's word needs to be the foundation that everything we have and everything we are needs to be built upon it. Matthew 7, 24 and 25. Therefore, Jesus said, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock, God's word. The instruction, the rock of God's word. And the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because what? It was founded on the rock. It was on the rock. Its foundation was sure. So what do we see? There's a comparison here between a wise man and a foolish man. And the difference is this, not the storms that come. Because the same storms of life, the same things I face is the same things you're going to face. The storms are coming, but it's the foundation that determines the outcome. If you've got a solid foundation, you're going to stand. If you don't have a solid foundation, you're going to fall. And what is that foundation? It is God's words. But unfortunately, we are building our house on the wrong foundations. 
I want to give you four foundations that we're building that are wrong for our lives. Here's the first one. We're building our lives on the world. We are more interested in what the world has to say about things than what God's word says. We're more interested in pleasing those around us instead of living to please God. Now, I know that's a broad description there when we talk about the world. But think about it this way, popular culture. We build our marriages, our families, our lives too often on popular culture. Everyone's doing it. Fads and fashions. What do you know about fads and fashions? Are you ready? They'll come and go. But truth will always remain. So here's a question for you to ask. How much of the world are you allowing into your life? Every day in your life, what are you allowing to influence your life through movies, TV, music, social media, through relationships you have? Come on, what are you spending time in? Because what you spend time in will infect your life. Come on, it will get into you as an infection, but then it will affect your life and it will bother other people around you. It starts by messing you up. But then you're going to mess other people around you. So we've got to watch that we're not building our life on fads and fashions that are going to come and go instead of the truth. Here's another one we can so often build our lives on. Tradition. 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 Well, that's not how we used to do it. Well, it doesn't mean what you used to do is always right. But we've always done it this way. Well, why? It's not that all tradition is wrong. I love tradition. I love certain aspects of tradition, and I respect those, but it's not all right. I said it's not all wrong, but it's not all right. It's like the lady who, young girl who was watching her mum cook the ham, and she cut both ends off the ham and put it in the pot. And she said, Mum, why do you do that? She says, that's strange. I've never really thought about that. I just saw your mother do that. So one day she's at grandma's house and she said, Grandma, why did you cut the ends off the ham? She goes, you know what, that's kind of strange. My mom taught me that. So one day this little girl, she's at great-grandmother's house and she said, Great-grandmother, I noticed that you cut the ends off the hams. My mom, my grandmother didn't know, so why do you do that? She said, simple, sweetheart, we didn't have a pot big enough. We've got to watch the traditions because it may have been needed then, but it may be we're lacking something now because we're just looking. And the sad reality when it comes to church, one thing I've realized about church is this. We want new and everything else. If you've got a flip phone in here, we're praying for you. But we want all the latest and greatest in everything. But when it comes to church, just give me what it's always been. Isn't that amazing? And so we can rob ourselves and hold on to tradition many times at the expense of truth. Look at this. Sometimes we worship the way more than the what. Come on, the way we do things instead of what and why is that. Man is guilty of changing so often the wrong things. Mark 7 verse 8, you have let go, Jesus said, of the commandments of God and you are holding on to human traditions. One translation says, you ignore God's law and you have substituted it by your own traditions. Are you holding on to something that's killing your life? Here's the third one, you're thinking, you're thinking. Well, just let me think about this, Pastor. 
That's when you build your life upon your thoughts. You could call it your reason, your reasoning. That's what a lot of people are building their life on, their thoughts, their reason in their lives. Because we look at certain areas of the Bible and we say, you know what, I don't like that definition. I don't like that instruction for God. So we think we need to change some stuff. Come on, that's why man today in his laws, he's redefined marriage. He's redefined sexuality. He's talked about what the life of an unborn child, it's just a fetus. It's not life. Man has redefined all these things. Why? Because that's what they think needs to be the case. And it amazes me and amuses me and yet it hurts me too that man is redefining stuff that incidentally the Bible is very clear about. So if we would just read the Word of God, we would see that. But because we think differently now, we want to be progressive in our thinking, now we try to reason it and we determine. And I've got a verse for that, Proverbs 14 verse 12. There is a way that seems right for man. It feels right, it thinks right, it reasons right. Old times have changed, you're old fashioned. That's what man's way, but its end is a way of death. Oh, it starts good, it seems right. Oh man, I like that, it feels good, it, it seems good. But I don't like the way it ends because it's death. The result of my thinking, my reason, if it's not God's word, is death. And let me help you today and please hear me today because what we're saying today could be the difference between life and death in your future. Anytime you are struggling with your thinking and reasoning, when there's a conflict between what you think and what God's word says, go with his word. Come on now, I'm just trying to help you today. I'm just really trying to help you today. Go with God's word and not yours. Why? Trust the bigger smarter one than you. Come on, trust God's word. Here's the last one. Are you ready? Your feelings. It's probably the biggest one that we build uh, everything upon our feelings. If it feels good, the world says, just do it. If it feels good, then it must be right, really. That's a constant struggle for every one of us. We all battle our feelings. Who didn't feel like getting out of bed this morning? Yeah. Judah, don't feel like eating vegetables. You know what I'm talking about? Just don't feel that, Dad. Just don't get that. And we say this a lot around here, but you need to hear it. Your feelings will lie to you. They will lie to you all of the time. And even today, you know you had to battle through some things today. Oh, those feelings are wonderful. I would love to stay in bed. That's wonderful, but they cannot be trusted. Look at this statement. When you trust your feelings instead of God's word, it will always end up bad for you. Why? Because chaos will come. Adam and Eve looked and they saw something. They reasoned in their mind, says it looks good. They believed the lie of the enemy. They tasted it. They took it. It feels good. It's got to be right. Because we're going to be like God. I mean, it's got to be right. But what happened when they went by their feelings and by their own way, Chaos came because when God came to walk, they hid from him. What does chaos produce in your life? A gap between you and God. We see it today. The chaos of sin creates a distance between you and God. But I'm so glad if there were a thousand paces between you and God, you just need to take the first one because he'll take the 999. And so I'm so thankful for that. So don't abandon the truth 
because of your feeling. Because what you feel right now is going to be different five minutes from now. Because your feelings are going to change. In the Bible, there's actually a whole book that almost shows a people, the children of Israel, who followed their feelings. If you would read the book of Judges when you go home, it's a great book, a lot of great stories. God raises up judges to rule his people. But really, Israel is saying, we have no king and we've rejected God. That's what the book of Judges is all about. And look how the book of Judges, this is the very last verse in the book of Judges from the Message Bible, Judges 21, 25. At the time, there was no king in Israel. And people did whatever they felt like doing. Which when you read through it, you'll discover led to more bondage and slavery than blessing and freedom. Because when we go by our feelings, we may love how it feels, but we're not going to like the results that are going to come. So today, am I allowing the world and traditions and my thinking and my feelings... Am I allowing those things to be the foundation of my life? I mean, what is the foundation? Is God's Word the foundation of my life? Can I help you with that? Here's a couple of questions that I think will help you to determine whether God's Word is the foundation of your life. Question number one. What do I do when I don't understand God's Word? A lot of things I'm telling you right now that I don't understand in God's Word. But I've also discovered this. I don't have to understand it all to obey it all. I don't understand combustion, but that doesn't stop me putting my key in a car and turning it and coming here. I don't understand digestion, but that don't stop me eating. You know what I'm talking about? So I don't have to understand it all to obey it all. And here's one of the reasons why we don't understand. It's not an excuse, but it's a very valid reason. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9 God says, my thoughts are not like your thoughts. My ways are far beyond anything that you could ever imagine. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. In other words, God's ways are what? His thoughts are what? They're higher. They're beyond mine. They're beyond what I can grasp sometimes. And why is that? Because He's God and He's so much greater than me. And so I'm okay with that. I said, I'm okay with that. I'm actually really good with that. Because when I don't understand it all, that makes him God and not me. That, that means that he is greater and further and above. Because if everything could fit into this head, he's not really God. Let me say that again. If everything can fit into your mind, in your head, he's... Not really God, because he's not the size of you and me. He's a whole lot bigger, a whole lot greater. So when I don't understand it all, when I don't see it all, when I don't grasp it all, you know what I say? God, I'm trusting you. That's how I choose to build my life. It's either him or you. We can't have both. Because when we get involved, our will takes over. So we've got to surrender our will and say, God, I trust you with my life. That's how we know he's the foundation of our life, that when we don't understand things, we're still saying, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust your word. Here's question two. What do I do when I don't like what God's word says? Well, God, you didn't really mean that. Oh, yeah, he did. So what do I do when it doesn't agree with my philosophy, with my thinking, 
with my way. Again, here's what I've found. I don't always have to like it. I just need to obey it. And what we've got so guilty of doing today is we've got so guilty of adjusting the Bible to fit our lives and to fit our needs. We like to take verses out of context because then they can mean whatever we want. So instead of just obeying God's word, we spend more time trying to figure out how we can find the loopholes to do our way and, and, and try to... And look at this statement. Until you obey it, you're never going to understand some of it. In Genesis chapter 12, God comes to Abram at that time. He wasn't Abraham. He was still Abram. And God says to him, here's what I want you to do. I want you to leave your home, your family, and I want you to take off, and I want you to go there. God doesn't even really tell him where to go. God says, I just want you to leave and go. And God says, if you leave and go, I'll give you a promise. Well, God, can you give me the promise? Then I'll go. God says, no, you go, and then I'll give you the promise. And so what do we do when things we don't like what we see? So many times we want God to change or God to do things, then we'll go. But God says, I've got a promise for you, but you've got to go to get it. If you don't obey it, you're never going to really understand it. Abraham had to obey to see his promise coming into reality. So let me say it this way. Are you ready? Here's another way to say it. Your understanding is on the other side of your obedience. And that would be really bad if you turned around and says, man, I'm not going to do that, but you haven't even tried it. Because that's pretty much stupidity, is it? To say that I'm not going to give my life to that, but we haven't even tried that. So our understanding comes on the other side of our obedience. And that's why many of us have have forfeited and don't live in the victory that God has for them because we don't like what it says. So we refuse to obey it. You've got to do it. So many just give up before they've even tried. So question number one, is God's word the foundation of your life? You've got to make God's word the foundation of your life. Point number two. You must make it the first part of your daily life. God's word needs to be first in your life. First, 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 which is a challenge within itself. Matthew 6.33 says this, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. If you would read the things he's talking about, there's a lot of needs that we have, a lot of worries and concerns that we have. But God's just said, I can take care of all of those things. He said, I feed the birds. He says, I clothe the grass of the field. I can handle all of those kind of things. And God says, if you seek me first, what happens? All these things shall be added to you. It's not a question on God's end. He says it shall on his end. But the question is on our end. Will we put him first? Because when we put him first, he promises to take care of every one of our needs. So how can I put him first in my life? If I'm going to hold on to this word. How can I put him first in my life? Here's a practical application for you. We talked about this, I think, last week or the week before. It's called the first 15. The first 15. Before anything else, give the first 15 minutes of your day to God. Five minutes in the Word. Come on, the psalmist says, 119, 105, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We need the illumination and the direction. We, we grab social media and we look at that before we even get in God's Word. We need to be prepared to handle what's going to face us that day. 
And why not get five minutes in the Word? We send out daily devotions with scriptural reading every day. Read those. A daily read and plan that I go through takes about 12, 15 minutes. You may say, well, that blows that one. Well, just read a portion of it. Just get the Word of God into you. Then use five minutes of worship. You don't even have to lead worship for yourself. You've got Spotify and, and all these ways. You can get free downloads of worship and, and to go on. Psalms 34, 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. Your praise shall continually be in my mouth. Just get some worship. Oh, man, I had my groove on this morning coming to church. You need to ride with me to church some Sunday. That's an experience. I like riding on my own because I am like blasting it out. My, my go-to song every Sunday is the, Here I am worshipping you with all I am. And, and he sings it higher than I, I would normally sing it. So I'm like, <laughs> I know some of you think that's how I sing anyway, but come on. Wow, I, I rock it. You'll, you'll hear me pulling in the parking lot and wonder who's coming in because you'll just hear a, a noise, a thunder come in. But it's me, my sunroof's open, I'm screaming it out. Get in worship. Get in. Here's another one, five minutes in prayer. Philippians 4, 6 and 7, be anxious for nothing. But in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And you know what verse 7 says? And the peace of God that passeth all understanding goes beyond what you will guard your heart and your mind. There's something happens when you pray and you come to God. So come on, the first 15 of your day, give it to God. Make it the foundation. Start it as a daily practice, a discipline before anything else. Your normal discipline right now is to grab the phone, to grab this, to grab the remote, to turn it. Change the discipline. You only need to do it for 21 days, they say, and then you'll make a new habit out of it. Change the discipline of your life to give God. Because I'm telling you right now, every one of us have 15 minutes we can give to God. Seriously, we can give to God. Number three, you must allow God's Word to grow deeper into your life. I've got to make it the foundation. I've got to make it first. And then I've got to allow it to grow deeper into my life. The truth is this, you have control of how much God is inside of you. If you don't believe me, I've got a verse for that, Colossians 3, 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Notice what it says there, let the word of God. You let God's word dwell in you. You give it a chance. You give it a chance. Watch, Renee's going to help me with something right now. Come on, give it up for Renee in the house. Don't you love Renee in the house? <clears throat> I want to show you something today. I want to show you something, an illustration to help you to see how important it is to let God's word rule in your life. That means we've got to dip God's word into our life. Some of you think, well, hey, I'm getting enough on Sunday, so we come to church on Sunday. So when we come to church on Sunday, that, that's our dip right there. Okay? That's our dip. Now notice this. We're, we're changed and it's a little bit... I wish my messages did more than this, but that's about all the message is doing on a Sunday. Because it's just a quick dip for you. you. You can't call that tea yet. 
but it's different. But what I've got to do every day is I've got to allow God's Word to begin to dip inside of my life. Because every time I begin to dip God's Word, what happens? I begin to take on the nature of that which I am subjected to. So if you don't like your life, you need to ask God, dip. Now, now let me clarify that. Pastor didn't say you need to dip. You need to dip tea. And we're not talking other stuff, okay? Just, just clarifying that. But you need to, every day, get a dip in your life. Because then what happens, you're going to be changed. God's going to change you more and more and more. Colossians 3.16 says, come on, you've got to let it dwell in you. Come on, let the Word of God dwell inside of you. You've got to keep dipping. Get God's Word into you. Here's some practical helps to help you dip. Are you ready? Here's how you dip. Read a translation you like. Find a Bible translation that you enjoy and you can read. Someone said, well, what's right and wrong? None of them are right or wrong. They're all good. I think some are better than others, but they're all good. Anything is better than nothing. Remember we talked about tradition? Some people are going to shoot you down if you're not reading the King James because they think that's how God still speaks. I love being English, but God ain't English. You know what I'm saying? He's not going to speak like that. Some people have said to me, when you stand in heaven, you're not going to recognize what God says, says to you. I, I'm, I'm going to be okay. As long as I'm in heaven, he can say whatever he likes. We're there, we're there, we're good. But I'm going to know God. I'm going to know God. And the reasons why we have translations is this, because our Bible wasn't written in English. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The New Testament was written in Greek. And King James was the one who came in 1611, and they translated the Bible into English. But when they translated it, they translated it and wrote it in the style and in the grammar of that day, 1611. So that's why it can read tough today, because we don't speak like that no more. So there's really three areas of translations. Let me help you with these, okay? There's what's called the formal equivalency. The formal equivalency is like an exact or literal translation of the Bible. It's when they go to the original scripts and word for word, they have translated the original script. Such examples of that, uh, can you, uh, such examples of that is the, um, well, I've got the wrong scriptures on that one, the, the wrong translations on that. It should be the King James, the New King James Version, the New American Standard Bible, and the ESV, which is the English Standard Version. That's the formal equivalency. That's the Bible. Then you have what's called the functional equivalency. Or it could be called the dynamic. Now, what they did with these particular translations was they didn't take it word for word. They went back to the original text, but they took it thought for, for thought. So that's the thinking right there, thought by thought. And those translations are what we would have today, the New Living Translations, the Good News, the Today's English Version, and the NIV, the New International Version. Then the third level of translation is what's called the paraphrased. The paraphrased. These weren't taken from the original manuscripts, but taken from that which was already translated. 
And what their thought and their goal was in these versions was they wanted to put it into debt to today's language to make it easy to understand. In fact, the Living Bible, I didn't know this until I was studying, a guy actually wrote the Living Bible so his kids could understand it. It's a great Bible for kids to understand. Then you've got the Message Bible. That's a paraphrased Bible. So I favor certain translations in my life. My two favorite that I go to is the New King James and the New Living Translations. But really the thought is this, they're all good. But just make it work for you. What's the best way that you're going to read God's Word and enjoy it? Then find a translation that does that. I personally study in the formal, I devotional in the function, and in the paraphrased. Here's another dip for you. You ready? Get a study Bible. Get a study Bible. I know this sounds so old-fashioned when everyone's trying to tell you to go electronically and get an electronic Bible. All those things are great. Thank God for digital. Thank God for version. Thank God for all of those things. But that's a Bible. I believe you need your Bible. I brought my Bible to church again today. Come on, on social media, we asked some people who brought their Bibles on social media. Come on, if you brought your Bible with you today, let me see it. There it is. There it is. You brought that. That's your special Bible. This one don't come out much because it's fallen to pieces. But you've got to get your Bible. You need your Bible. It's a great investment. Here's three study Bibles that I really recommend for you. If you're looking for a great Bible, just a study Bible, New Spirit-Filled Life Bible is excellent. That's what this one is here, and I love it. Because what happens is on the bottom of each page, there's usually some descriptions and it breaks some things down and helps you. The, the Life Application Bibles are excellent too, if you've never studied those. And also the Holman Study Bible is excellent. That one's a little bit more detailed than the other two, but great Bibles for you. And they're an investment, I know that, but make an investment. A good study Bible is going to be, going to be 50 up dollars, but make an investment. You can get hardbacks if you don't want to pay for the leather. And there's other great study Bibles. There's ladies' studies Bibles. There's men's studies Bibles. There's youth study Bibles. There's a leadership one. If you like John Maxwell, he's got a great leadership study Bible out that he shows scriptures of leadership. So if you're leading people, that's great Bibles to get. Get you a Bible. Get another grip. Here's a dip. Here's another one. Are you ready? Get in a small group. Get in a small group. Wow, we've got registration today. What a, can you believe that? Come on, you need to get in a small group. We've got some great brochures here. We've got 24 groups available for you this semester happening every day of the week. And you need to get into a group. I'm telling you right now, they start June the 3rd and it's only six weeks for the summer. And if you want to go deeper, remember we're talking about how do I go deeper? How do I get another dip? How do I get more than just a Sunday? How do I get more? I'm in the Word. I'm reading, but I need to be around other people. You need to get in a group. Why? Because in groups, you can discuss it. You can talk about it. You can dip God's Word. Because some of this, I'm telling you right now, will never work in your life. You'll never understand it until you begin to talk about it. Get it in you. You may say, well, how does that work? If I'm just in a walking group, that's not a Bible study. I'm not getting God's word in you. Yes, you are, because here's what happens. When you're walking around the track, you can turn around to say, you know what, today in my daily reading, I was reading something I don't understand. What do you think that means? 
And you begin to discuss it out. You can get in a golf group and you can say, man, I don't know, pastor preached something on Sunday and, and I'm struggling with it. Would you help me with that? We begin to talk it out. We begin to work it out. We discuss it. We digest it. We dip it. We get it into you and something happens. You're changing. You're changing. I'm telling you right now, you need to be in a group. I believe that so much. I even made a shirt to tell you that. Get in a group. And summer is only six weeks, like I say. And you may say, well, I can't go all six weeks. Go one. Go two. Go as many times as you can. And we have semesters through the year. We have an in and out. For what reason? Seasons change in our lives. Interests change. So go to something. Then next semester, you can go to something else. And our groups fit under the eight areas or hubs, as we call them. Here's our hub areas. It fits under men, women, marriage and family, students, recovery, financial, outreach and prayer. And our goal every year is to make a conference, to make a special event out of every single one of those. So we're going to have something special through the year. Because what's happening? Things are changing Notice what's happened and as I'm getting a dip. Notice what's taking place right now. Now I've got what? Why? Because it's steeped. Because I've allowed it to stay. Because I've allowed it to dip. You see, now I'm not just reading God's Word, I'm becoming God's Word. And it's changing me. Because I'm taking on what? The nature and identity of God's Word. Here's the last point today, number four. Number four, and that is this. You've got to make God's Word a weapon for the challenges of life. It's, it's, it's important to understand today, listen to me, we're in a war. And because we're in a war, guess what we need? <laughs> we need a weapon. You know what God's Word is? God's word is a sword. Ephesians 6.13 says, Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Having done all to stand. So when the day of evil comes, what have we got to do? We've got to stand. It goes on to talk about the many parts of the armor. But then in verse 17 says, And it is the sword of the Spirit. Come on, it is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Message Bible says it this way, God's Word is an indispensable weapon. You can't do without it. You see, when Jesus was in the wilderness and He was tempted three times, every time He was tempted, He came back with the Word. Matthew 4, 4, but He answered and said... It is written. Each time he responded with the sword, God's word. And he said, you can come against me, but I'm coming against you. Now, what do we know about Satan? He likes to throw the fiery darts. You know what I'm talking about? Why does he do that? Because he's a wimp and he doesn't want to come close to you. So he stands behind things and he shoots them. But God doesn't give you an arrow to shoot back at him. God gives you a sword. So what does that mean? If you're going to go and attack something with a sword, you've got to be close to it. Come on, we need to step out in God and say, God, I'm not going to run and hide. Come on, devil, you can take me on all you want. But greater is he that is within me 
than he that is in the world. You need to know God's word, especially for when the challenges come. Come on, are you in a financial challenge? You need to know Philippians 4, 19. And my God shall supply all my need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Are you sick today? You need Psalms 103, verse 3. He forgives all our iniquities and he heals all of your diseases. Are you fearful today? You need the sword of the spirit for 1 Timothy 1, 7. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Are you struggling with confidence today? You need Philippians 4 verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Are you under attack today? You need Luke 10 verse 19. And he says, I give you all authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of everything and nothing shall by no means hurt you. 1 John 4, 4, you are of God and you have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. Come on, you know what God's given me for my family this season? You know what God's given Kelly and I the sword to come against the enemy right now? Psalms, I mean Isaiah 49, 25. I am the one who is on your side. I am the one defending your course. And I am the one who is rescuing your children. Come on, devil. Come on, devil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. You're the lender and not the borrower. Come on, devil. You've got to get God's will. I've got to close today. I've got to close today. <laughs> Don't be afraid of the devil. He's afraid of you. Let me rephrase that. He's afraid of you when you start quoting the word. Here's what you've got to do. You've got to memorize scripture. It's so important for you. Get it into you. Get it a part of you. Let it be the foundation of your life. In my daily reading right now, if you're reading the Bible in one year, you'll be there with us right now. It's Psalms 119. We're in. It's a long book, actually, or a long chapter. It takes about 20, 25 minutes just to read that chapter alone. So when you're daily reading, it's broken up in probably to about a week of your daily reading. But here's what I read yesterday. Psalms 119.9. How can a young man cleanse his way? How can I make it, God? By taking heed according to your word. And the psalmist said, with my whole heart, I have sought you. Let me not wander from your commandments. And then we're going to end where we start today because verse 11 says this, Your word have I hidden, have placed, I'm going to hold on to it. Why? Because God, I don't want to fail you. I don't want to fall. I don't want to stumble. I don't want to sin against you. I know I'm not perfect, God. But God, I need direction and help in my life. So what do I do when I don't understand it? Trust him. What do I do when I don't like it? Obey it. Because sometimes my understanding is on the other side of my obedience. Don't let this series end. I'm always so conscious of that. We're going into a new series next month. Summer 11. 
Summer Lovin' is just random messages every Sunday. We're going to have no set theme. We're just going to hit you with different things. But don't leave this. Don't lose this. Don't let go of this. Say, God, I want your word to be the foundation of my life. God, I want your word to be the first of my life. So what am I going to do? First 15 minutes of my day, God, I'm going to give to you. I'm going to be in the word. I'm going to be in worship. I'm going to be in prayer. Come on, I'm going to let God's word get in me. I'm going to let it brew inside of me. I'm going to let it dip. I want to take on the nature of God's word. I want to be everything. I don't want to be a diluted version of what I can be. But I've got to get more dips inside of me than just Sunday. Because I'm going to struggle if all I'm going on is just Sunday. I've got to get more inside of me. I've got to get it in me daily, daily, daily. Then what else have I got to do? I've got to let God's word become the weapon of my life. Would you bow your heads all over this place today?